Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, which is full of haunted puzzle boxes, dangling chainsaws, birthday cakes with candles you cannot blow out, and mirrors where the reflection keeps looking at you even when you turn away. I'm Mikey McCaller. I'm Roxy Polk. This is Scary Basement, Roxy. I'm very excited to be in a scary basement, although I probably shouldn't be. No, it's it's where we're going to die. I think that much is clear. (laughs) Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. Roxy, what's happened this week outside of the basement that has spooked you to your bones? I think the spookiest thing that can happen to anybody is having a shitty sleep schedule, which has been uh, my whole week (laughs) this week. Jesus, how many hours are we talking here? Maybe a couple hours a night, one night, just like one hour. Is super cool. One hour? Yeah. Are you hallucinating at all? Uh, maybe I was. I had to do like a live stream afterwards, and I'm pretty sure I just hallucinated the entire thing. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> yeah, Roxy, you specifically weren't online. Wait, what? Then what was that video? <gasps> what was it? just a grainy video of the <laughs> 8-bit <laughs> monsters from Doom <laughs> that went up on your stream. <laughs> Uh, the scariest thing that happened to me this week, I had to text my psychiatrist and ask him a question. I always, I'm always afraid I'm bugging my psychiatrist. I mean, it's his fault for giving me his phone number. Well, it's his job for giving you his phone number also, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, you know, if he's got a, any mental health questions he can answer, that's uh, all well and good. The other thing I should say about my psychiatrist, he is a mummy. Okay, well, now I see where the scary part comes in. That Yeah, it's like pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if he's cursed or not that's pretty impressive though like he must have been doing psychiatry for a long time if he's a mummy oh yeah he's the first psychiatrist oh wow okay well that's why he earned <laughs> that's why he earned such status uh among the egyptians <laughs> um they pulled his brain out through his nose that's what they do with mummies well at least you know you're in good hands that way right mm-hmm, because his hands are you, holding his own brain yeah yes exactly so you know <laughs> you know what you're getting into <laughs> you can literally see it he's a scary guy <laughs> roxy Here in the scary basement, tons of scary things, including bloody knives, spikes, hooks dangling from chains. One of the scariest things, I think, is down here in this scary basement that's full of horror objects is the demon bot who keeps threatening to take our souls if we don't watch the movies he assigns to us. Have you seen him around since we've been down in the basement this journey? Have you seen him clinking about? Um, I'm not sure. Wait a minute. There he is. That's the sound he makes. Greetings, mortals. Have you watched the film I have assigned for you, or your soul's forfeit? Yes, Demon Bot, we watched Child's Play 1. Roxy, did you watch Child's Play 1? Yes, yes I did. So please don't don't kill me. Good. Then you may keep your souls. For now. Please prove that you have watched the film by summarizing the plot. Okay. Great. Uh, he's he's is a British. We should explain the mythology of Demon Bot a little bit. He's a British demon who is, or I'm sorry, he's a regular demon who's trapped in a British robot. Yes, yeah, British okay. butler and robot he wants, specifically. He wants our. <laughs> he just said he wants our souls. I I'm just now in the moment realizing I think he would rather have our bodies because he's got a soul. Oh wait a minute. He just needs a body. So when he was like, "You can have your souls for now," that's because 
he wants our souls to leave our body so then he can take them for himself as his vessel. Right. I guess if he, uh, it's, it's like a happy meal. Okay. <laughs> you order a happy meal and you can't just get the toy. You have to order everything with it. And if you just want the toy, you are allowed to throw away the small fry, the small soda, the apple jacks. If your mom's the worst, <laughs> the single hamburger, you can throw that all away if you just want the toy. But you do have to get the whole Happy Meal. So when he says he wants our soul, he wants everything that comes with it, that means our bodies. Okay. That seems pretty wasteful, though, to just throw away everything except for the toy. I can't say I approve of the way Demon Bot functions. No, we hate him. <laughs> to, to be sure. And I would love to kill him. I'm sure he's involved in whatever conspiracy gets us into this spooky basement. So I guess for the rest of the episode, we're going to talk about Child's Play. The 1998 film directed by Tom Holland. 1988. Uh, I have done that literally every time <laughs> I've had to write down when this movie came out or think about it. I have said 1998 every time. 1998. You're a 90s kid. We get it. Big year for me. Big year for all of us, I think. <laughs> we did watch Child's Play. For everybody who is listening at the trapdoor, we're going to do a quick plot recap just so we're all on the same page so we all know what happened in Child's Play Again, the original from 1988. Here we go. The film opens with serial killer Charles Lee Ray on the run from Detective Mike Norris. The detective shoots and kills Ray, who then uses a voodoo ritual to transfer his soul into the creepy redheaded doll known as a good guy. Capitalized good guy. That's literally like yeah, their no, names. It's important to make sure that that's like a brand. <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's not just like, hey, it's a good guy. It's like, no, this is uh, like the Cabbage Patch kids of that generation. Yeah, but they they like build things. It's very odd. Like the iconography and logo. They <laughs> we made. are going to so much get into the good guy mythology <laughs> and what the fuck this, this show and this universe is within the universe. Can't wait. Charles Lee Ray is dead. His soul is in a good guy doll. We then meet Andy, a precocious six-year-old who makes his mother breakfast on his birthday the kid's a sweetheart he's watching the good guy cartoon show and hopes that the big present in the windowsill is in fact a good guy doll of his very own unfortunately andy's single working mom karen didn't get him a good guy doll and andy festers with rage can we talk about that box real quick which box because the box that he is thinking the doll is in is perfectly sized to the doll and then when he opens it it's like a pair of pants that barely take <laughs> up the box what was the mother thinking when she was trolling her kid with that giant ass box it does feel like those kind of christmas videos you see where like a parent gets you a playstation 4 box and you open it up and inside it's got package of salami yeah <laughs> like that mean parents do it was it's very strange that's a horrible thing to do to your child because like she would have had to go out of her way to get a box that big and wrap it i just right. like what was she doing it wasn't like a treasure trove of clothes yeah which would have justified that big a box. I remember and then one there's year like a little tool set that she wrapped regularly next to it <laughs> that is good guys branded. So it's not like she had to do that. She chose to do that. <laughs> Karen then goes to work where her best friend Maggie tells her there's a tramp outside hustling good guys. Karen makes a deal with the tramp, buys the doll, and then heads home to give Andy his number one most wanted present. She tricks the foolish child into thinking the good guy shaped box is a box of groceries. <laughs> but the kid's too happy, so who is Karen to complain? That's another thing. Like, what are these box shapes? Is she generally carrying home groceries in a long clothes shaped box so in the movie she just has a bunch of the grocery bags taped around it essentially just yeah. to like hide it does she 
Like, it's like as though she's bringing home baguettes. Well, I think it's just because it's all she had on hand, but at the same time, yeah, why even bother wrapping it then? Because you're just going to give it to him instantly. Well, also, I guess she like, wanted to give him that little extra. If I'm that kid and, like, my surprise. brain can't stop grinding about getting a good guy doll, there's no way I'm seeing, even if we do generally carry home long boxes of groceries that I'm not. Is that a good guy doll, though? I'm salivating about it, Roxy. Yeah, especially because now that I think about it, she picked him up, so they were sitting on that car ride home. And he's, like, probably <laughs> right, looking, looking at, at it. it. <laughs> that night, Karen's friend Maggie is babysitting, and the doll that Andy has gotten for his birthday, who we now know is named Chucky, comes to life, throws a hammer at Maggie, knocking her out the window and killing her. That scene is so goofy because the window is made out of paper. Like, she just barely leans against it. You've got this little tiny toy hammer, which, by the way, you can't even really tell how big it is until the detective afterwards is, like, holding it up. But it's just, like, this big. Uh-huh. And she just plummets out the window, breaking it. That's very true. I didn't notice that until he, like, holds up the evidence bag and it's like, oh, that's the hammer? It's a, it's a little, uh, a little wisp of a toy. Yeah. And then just the window part of it. I, I started laughing when I know I shouldn't be because I was like, why would that even happen? <laughs> You would just hit yourself against the window. Yeah. Maggie's not long for this world. <laughs> as we get. Like, it's, There's something always about the first villain in a horror movie that is just like, yeah, you're the worst. You're bad at this. Yeah. Now, he, I guess she doesn't know to be on her guard. Chucky isn't very good at stealth. I literally have a note that is Chucky is bad at stealth. <laughs> <laughs> I have that too. I have that too. It's like, uh, I wrote Chucky's Metal Gear Solid moment. <laughs> Karen comes home to meet Detective Mike, who is investigating Maggie's death and treating Andy like a suspect. The next day, Karen brings Andy to school, and because this little bastard brought bad influence Chucky along with him, Andy immediately cuts school to go hang out with the cool kids in the bad part of town. We move to Chicago's South Side, where Chucky sneaks away from Andy and kills his former compatriot, Eddie Caputo, by exploding the house he's staying in. Andy then finds himself at the scene of a second murder, although he admittedly has very little motive to kill a random Chicago vagrant. <laughs> Karen comes to the station, where Detective Mike leads her to the interrogation room. There, Andy is trying to make this Chucky doll, who I should point out he now hates. Say something for the grown-ups. A therapist named Dr. Ardmore suggests Andy come chill in his inpatient facility for a few days, and Karen agrees. Hey, can I ask you a question about 80s cops? Sure. Did they have to question children with their parents in the 80s? Because... I was wondering that, too. <laughs> like, I, was, I was wondering, I was interrogating like... Interrogating him. What is the protocol for this? I was like, if they picked up Andy and just, like, were driving back with him? I mean... <laughs> There's nothing to stop you from asking him a couple questions, right? Yeah, but then they legit put him in an interrogation room with another cop, like, grilling him for questions when his mother arrives. So I was like, where is the line (laughs) between, like, hey, we're just a couple of buds chatting and you're being treated as hostile? Karen takes the Chucky doll home and she then finds that the doll's goddamn batteries are still in the goddamn box. This doll has been talking and moving without batteries for days. She threatens to throw Chucky in the fire, prompting him to finally come alive, call her, quote, (laughs) the like worst and funniest line, a stupid bitch and a filthy cunt before biting her and running off into the night. What a scene. That's my favorite scene. I think that's like the first time you see like the face warp too, that you really like see Chucky's expression and the (laughs) animatronic is like, (laughs) got his little teeth. (laughs) Well, he's so angry. Yeah. Oh, he's very angry. He's filled with rage. That's the thing about Chucky. (laughs) It's weird that like Chucky is such a cultural icon and we are like familiar with 
the depiction of him as like a furious, like the fact that he can change his eyebrows. There is 100% a version of this movie where he can't change his face and he's just like staring with that innocent little boy face and like mm. saying these horrible things, but still looking very sweet. And I honestly don't know which I would prefer. I mean, I think that would be more scary, but less fun. Mm -mm. Yeah, I think since like, I I mean, we'll get to that when we get to the voodoo part, but Chucky's doll body is actually morphing as well throughout the movie, like it's changing. So I think it's probably part of that, which it kind of shows that it's getting worse and like creepier. So I personally like his creepy, weird uh, animatronic face moving around. Me too. I think the joy of a Chucky movie is the fact that Chucky's personality is front and center. I I watched a behind the scenes thing showing like how they made and controlled the Chucky animatronic. And at one point it was like, it takes eight animators working at one time to move him, like move his oh. face and his hands at the same time. Oh, which is just wild. Feels like too many, too many cooks. It's quite a few. Andy's mom, Karen, goes to tell Detective Mike that Chucky is alive. He, of course, doesn't believe her because that's ludicrous. But soon after, Detective Mike is driving home alone and is attacked in the car by Chucky, who tries to stab his little butt with a big old knife. (laughs) Mike escapes, but now knows that Andy and Karen are telling the truth. Karen then goes to serial killer Charles Lee Ray's apartment and finds it covered in paintings, including one of a known Charles Lee Ray associate, Dr. Death John Bishop. At that doctor's apartment, Chucky shows up and demands to know why the voodoo curse is allowing him to get hurt. Bishop tells Chucky that he is, quote, turning human again. And before Chucky kills him by voodoo doll, which is wild. Yeah, like, why does he have a voodoo doll of himself? That was the weirdest thing <laughs> right. to me. Why would you have something that could kill you so easily with voodoo powers just it anywhere? Ki- it kills you very easily. I don't know why he would make it. I don't know why... <laughs> transferring souls wasn't enough for this movie (laughs) especially it's such a crazy thing to be like well okay sure if chucky has voodoo power there's also other voodoo things but there's just one other voodoo thing in like the entire series oh is it okay see i haven't seen the other child's play movies but chucky when he he has it he's like he shouldn't have told your student where you put things or something (laughs) it's like well Sure, maybe he, like, knew about it because it was in a secret spot, but why would you even have that to begin with? I would think as a voodoo practitioner, if you know it could instantly kill you, you wouldn't have I, one of those around. I mean, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? Give yourself a back rub. <laughs> Does it work like that? Does it work like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I, l- I like the idea that a voodoo doll if could work. If you're, like, feeling hot, you could throw your voodoo doll in the freezer and just cool down a little bit. <laughs> there you, okay, I see. You know, you can save can on track. your uh, electric bill that way. Your heating bill, uh-huh. I would assume. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Death John Bloom tells Chucky... That he is turning human again, and Chucky learns that the only person he can transfer his soul into is the first person who learned the secret that he was alive. That person, of course, being Andy. Karen and Mike then come by Dr. John's apartments seemingly minutes later, and Dr. John tells them the only way to kill Chucky is by hitting him in the heart, a piece of advice they will absolutely ignore for 98% of the rest of this movie. That's a good point. Why? I love it so much when they're, like, hitting him in the head. (laughs) They're shooting him in the general torso. (laughs) It's just like... The mom shoots him, like, in the leg, and it, like, catapults him across the room at one point. It's just... Why? That's, like, dumb people in a horror movie that I love. Like, 
we we know you're not going to hit him in the heart the next time you see him. So go ahead. Have some fun. Have some like silly screw ups. Well, I understand like if they have to theoretically incapacitate him or whatever. So then once he's still, then they can shoot him. But even after they do all that damage and finally he's mm-hmm. on the ground, she like still point blank right. like misses two or three times and then runs out of bullets. It's one of those cartoons where like Yosemite Sam opens fire on Bugs Bunny and Bugs Bunny like clenches up. But then when the smoke's gone, there's just like bullets in the wall behind Bugs Bunny in the exact (laughs) silhouette of Bugs Bunny. It's quite cartoonish. (laughs) Uh, Back at the mental institution, Andy sees Chucky climbing the steps and rigs up a great fake kid in the bed gag to trick (laughs) Chucky when he comes into attack. Andy runs through the hospital, dodging Chucky's all the way until that Dr. Ardmore character catches him, only to immediately get electrocuted by Chucky for his troubles. (laughs) Andy then heads home to home alone his house against Chucky, but within moments, Chucky knocks the baby boy unconscious and begins performing the ritual to transfer his soul into the six-year-old's body. Mike and Karen rush into the apartment and interrupt the ritual. This is when a giant Chucky fight ensues. It ends when Karen tosses Chucky into the fireplace and Andy strikes the match that burns his former good guy friend to death. Seemingly. We get about 800 the monsters dead, but not really moments as Chucky keeps coming back because these people are adamant against shooting him in the heart. (laughs) Finally, Mike's cop partner comes in, gets attacked by Chucky a little bit before Mike finally shoots the doll in the heart, ending the nightmare once and for all. We end on a weirdly creepy shot where Andy is like looking back at the doll and freeze frame. Yeah, that freeze frame was so weird. I was like, it's probably just an 80s thing that they decided to freeze frame it like that. But at the same time, it does feel incredibly ominous. And I feel like there's like a weird music sting behind it, too, implying like, oh, did it really partially transfer to the kid or something? Do you think maybe that's what they were trying to imply? Uh, It it did feel to me like the that one Friday the 13th, I think it's three or four, where like the kid kills Jason. And then the idea is that kid is for the new Jason. Is it four? Yeah. Yeah, it's four because I only know this because I just recently watched it. And (laughs) Uh, I am just realizing how scary of an ending it would be if they do all this Chucky murder and then the little boy is like smiling because the ritual did work. Well, there's this weird part when he strikes the match and has a one liner liner to say goodbye to Chucky. And it's something like it sounds really dark and it's probably a result of like the child actor being pretty natural for the most part. But I felt like in that moment he was like, "Okay, I need to act like I'm really mad or like a cool badass or something. So the the line like a a John McClane-esque action movie one liner when he finally kills. Yeah, I wish I could remember. I think he says, like, we're friends to the end. And then the kid is like, he he says, uh, this is the end, friend or something like that. This is the end, friend. Like he really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, This is a good time to talk about it. What did you think about this kid's performance? This is uh, Alex Vincent as Andy. Mm-hmm. What do you, you think about this kid? I think he feels very naturalistic, like how a kid would be. Like, I, I don't know how old he was in the movie, but the character is supposed to be like six years old. Mm-hmm. The opening scene alone, like when he's putting that breakfast together and just spilling shit everywhere, that made me so much more anxious than like a lot of the scares. Because I was like, oh my god, he's just oh, making really? a mess. What is he doing? I thought Going that was- down the hallway... It's darling, but at the same time, it's like, I can just think about how that kid is just spilling shit everywhere and she's going to have to clean it up. (laughs) That's so funny. I was, I was the complete opposite. I was just like enamored. I thought this was the cutest thing I'd ever seen. 
I love this kid. It's like there's a duology going on with it. You can appreciate his effort, but at the same time, you're like, oh, God, kid, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> he also, this, I, I think that opening scene is his best scene in the movie. It's very good. Because he does this whole. Well, because it's like, it's his birthday, but he's making this breakfast. You think it's for himself, but he's actually making it for his mom while he's watching Good Guys. Right. So it sets up like the cartoon show and his like of Chucky's. He loves Good Guys. Fictional franchise, whatever. Everything he has is like branded good guys, like all of his clothes Ugh. and everything, his pajamas even have like footies on them that say good guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I had a couple of moments during this movie where I said out loud to myself, oh, the kid's back to being good. He has some moments where I just like completely buy him. Like in this first scene mm-hmm. when he hops down to see what episode of Good Guys is on. And he's just like, I've already seen this one. It's like, it's like, that's how kids are. Yeah. And then he has a couple of moments where he's just like, couldn't be worse. And he's just like super wooden. He kind of flubs some of the lines, too. Like, you can uh-huh. tell where they were just like, we've probably done a lot of takes on this. We'll just keep this one. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess is why he feels kind of like, he does feel like a six-year-old kid. And so, sometimes mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily feel like he's doing the character very well. But yeah. I'm, I'm still glad that they got a kid who is the actual age he's supposed to be. I always appreciate that. Yeah. I, I think overall, <laughs> this I think this kid is pretty great. And the moments where he's not great, he's still on par for a child actor, especially of that age. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in a way, it feels authentic, even if it's like that that's not very good acting, but uh-huh. <laughs> it's still okay, I guess. Okay, I definitely want to talk about this. What okay. do you think the good guys show is within this universe? Like, what is a standard episode of the Good Guys cartoon show? Do you think they, like, go build a house and then head home? That's a good question. In the TV show that they show, like, a little opening snippet, Chucky's character is in, like, a blimp or something that then comes down and has, like, a rope ladder onto the street where a, like, human child is. And then he's like, hey, we'll hang out. But then later, when they're selling the toy, they're like... Each good guy has a different name that it will tell you. Are all of the good guys, they all look the same, but with different names? Or is there just the one? That was my sense, that they're like Smurfs. Okay, okay. There's subtle subtle differences, but you can't really tell. Because they don't show anything else. It's just, they they have like Bob the Builder type toys, like accessories. Because you see- And that was my other thing. uh, We did not get any Builder Chucky. Like I wanted mm. more kills where Chucky was like, a little baby construction worker where he would like build a little house <laughs> that when an adult went to go inspect, he would jump out and stab them. Like I yeah. wanted to, I wanted them to use more builder stuff. He got that builder set and he used one hammer to kill Aunt Maggie. And then we forgot the good guys are builders. Yeah. And he didn't even kill her with it per se. Cause like she fell out the window. The fall out the window is what killed her. It wasn't the little hammer. Yeah. Th- that very first kill, the first time we see Chucky kill somebody, it was a little like clumsy. Yeah. Especially because one, you'd think he would be trying to maybe be a little more stealthy so he doesn't get found out immediately. Even if like he's thinking, Oh, well, nobody will believe the kid. It's still like very mm-hmm. sloppy, especially for someone who has already like committed murders as a human. <laughs> so he has the experience. <laughs> right. Basically. So it just seems like so dumb all around. He's in that way. But I, I guess it's kind of like the, the funny part of it, though. Like he is killing with the toy. He is standing on the flower on that counter because he like leaves those footprints. You know, what? as I'm thinking about it, this movie has cu- at least a couple of kills. I think there are only four confirmed kills in this movie it depends on if you count chucky himself but yeah i think yeah, there's no, like I, four I, I had that note too i yeah. was like when i was trying to count kills i was like is chucky dead 
canonically, we know he's not. Or I guess, like, because his human body dies, so then maybe there is five. Right. But then No, Charles Lee Ray dies. Yeah. But does he? And then Chucky dies, but we know he doesn't. Yeah. But also, we have multiple dead bodies. What about all those rats? Everybody. (laughs) Actually, no. Now that I think about all those rats, did you say? Yeah, all the rats that were in his accomplice's (laughs) house. I remember, like, I made a note about them because they looked very cute, even though it's supposed to be, like, really gross and dingy. But they're obviously very well taken care of rats. Oh, it scared me so much. They didn't, like, make them look gross or something in the scene. It just looks like they put pet rats. (laughs) (laughs) All of these kills, these first four kills in this Chucky movie, they're very convoluted. They're all like one or two steps more complicated than they really need to be. And I wonder if that's them saying like, we can't just have the doll stab them. Nobody would let a living doll get that close to them. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, when he gets to the voodoo guy, he can just go stab him. He's already got a knife. Like He doesn't need a voodoo doll. The the cop, he like really plays with the cop. The entire death scene, or not death scene, but the entire like fight scene is very comical it feels like it's out of a cartoon because it's yeah. he just keeps stepping on the gas as he's being like choked which like you wouldn't right. do that i feel like and then eventually like chucky gets around and he's stabbing him through the seats and then mm-hmm. he gets to the pedals and then the car flips and then he fake out stabs him leaves the knife there and then runs around so that the cop can right. try and shoot him before then picking up the knife to try and stab him again that was like why would you do that I think it's clear that Chucky does not have, like, tactical training. Like, he was never in the U.S. military. He doesn't know battle strategy. But he's, like you said with, like, the witch doctor, he just killed him in one hit. He was just like, okay, well, I guess he broke his leg first. But he was just like, okay, you're done. Did he still want more information from him at that point? Maybe he just wanted him to suffer. Because with his partner, too, who left him out to dry, he just killed him instantly, basically, too. He didn't even torture that Mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. But also even that, like, like this running around and turning on the gas and yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah. Maybe, see, if he was trying to make it look like an accident, that would make sense. I was thinking that too. Uh, attacking the, the former partner, that like actually seemed like probably the smartest kill, really. But Andy was there. Yeah. I mean, that That's part- the There's still a, a link. Like, if that he could- That part isn't as smart. But the thing <laughs> if is- If he could have gotten Andy out of there, if he's like, all right, Andy, now now get in the helicopter. Yeah, We're yeah. heading back to school. Yeah, like, if he had set it up more and then had them walking away already, because I think the cop showed up before they could get out, I would assume, which is why they pick him up at the scene. Even though you'd think that the mm-hmm. child would be running after an explosion just happened behind him. <laughs> but- uh, What kind of- psychopath specifically just because as we're talking about chucky fake stabs the cop and then is running around the car like what kind of specific mental disorder do we think i mean obviously we're not doctors we can't diagnose charles Uh ray but like (laughs) he's got a little touch of like that riddler quality where he kind of wants you to know about his Mm. crimes before he does them and there's a little bit of like masochism and like torture that he kind of likes doing yeah for sure and he all and he thinks it's all funny. So he's definitely a sociopath. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any of that. I feel like the show Hannibal is big on killers who are like weeping for what they're doing while they're killing somebody. Chucky thinks this is all great. He's having the time of his life. Yeah, he he's yeah he's like a he's like a psychopath, I guess, because he's just he's he's having a good time killing people. He likes what he does because he continues to keep doing it, 
You know, mm-hmm. like his main focus should be just to get a new body. He wouldn't have to kill people along the way to do that, but he chooses to do that. He doesn't. And it shines an even brighter spotlight on himself, and he's not even trying to be, like, subtle about it. Uh-huh. Did you ever watch that show, uh, Dirty John, or listen to that podcast, Dirty John? They made a show of it also. I did not. It's about, it's, like, based on a true story. It's very scary. Oh, okay. About this woman who has been married, like, four times, and then she gets married again to this man named John and her kids are like, there's something off about this guy. He's mm, creepy. Okay. And it turns out he's like lying about a bunch of stuff and very possessive. And is he a serial killer? He's, he's not a serial killer, but he's like, he like grew up in like a grifter family, I think. Hmm. Okay. And so, but, but very much has he this likes like, like having control. Yeah. Control, yeah, yeah. Maybe? He's, he's just kind of like behaving in a way that like, he kind of can't help himself. Okay. Like stealing money from people and has definitely like stolen money from this woman that he marries and isolates her from her family. Mm. And at the end, when it's kind of becoming clear that he's a monster and she's starting to distance herself from him, he like, steals her car like he goes to her work and steals her car and and i think just in the parking lot burns it or drives it away and like burns the car and they're like why would he do this and they're like he's so angry and he's acting out he like can't control how angry he is so i'm almost that's kind of what's jumping to my mind for chucky he's so angry at the cop and he's so angry at his old associate guy that he's just like, he can't control himself. And he's just like kind of escalating these grandiose ways that he's like attacking people. Like he was mad at the babysitter for not letting him watch the news. Yeah, it seemed like such a petty kill with her. That seemed like the dumbest <laughs> move. It's like, it's not someone you want to take revenge on. It's someone who kind of annoyed you. But you just got here, dude. Like maybe chill out <laughs> for like five seconds <laughs> if you want to try and like make this work. But then again, I don't think he knows he can... Something that must be said, I I think it's very clear that Chucky hates women. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's the whole thing. I I only know this because I was trying to find, like, behind-the-scenes things, and it gave me a little summary of what happens in some of the other Child's Play movies. They I don't know if they say it in this movie or not, but the crime he was caught for and is running away from at the beginning of it is stabbing a pregnant woman. Oh. Apparently. I didn't know that. (laughs) They both survive, or at at least the kid does. Because they're a character in one of the movies. They call him, he's got like a name. He's called the Lakeshore Strangler. Yeah. Which, again, it's one of these things that it's so weird to hear. Like, I, I don't associate a specific serial killer name with Chucky at all. Yeah, like when you think about it. It's like, that's the kind of thing, just like voodoo, that just like exits the series almost as soon as it's introduced. Okay. Yeah, like it's just kind of convenient. Like they just have that. Because. I guess it, it's it's one scary thing for like your doll to come alive and it's angry mm-hmm. at you. But it's another whole scary thing for it to be like, you know, that serial killer you've been hearing about on the radio. That's notorious enough that they gave him a nickname. Uh-huh. He's the doll. <laughs> like That's another level of like, oh, this is off the rails. <laughs> the situation we find ourselves in my six year old. Yeah. Well, I think it gives a lot more depth to it then because you like know his motivations kind of and what he's going to do. And so the peril is he's literally sleeping next to this child in this new vessel. What <laughs> the fuck is he going to do? He might just strangle his kid in his sleep. You don't know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. frightening. Roxy, what did you think of this movie? Did you like it? Yeah, I think I had seen it before ages ago before watching it specifically for us to talk about it today. And I had forgotten the fact that he gets all burned up and is then, like, melted plastic (laughs) chasing after them, like, Terminator style with a knife. Mm -hmm. That part was great. But, like, in general, it's just, it's such a time capsule 
And it's the start of a franchise that kicked off, like, what, seven other movies or something? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Chucky's right up there with, like, Jason and Michael Myers and everything. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, Chucky to me is at the top of the second tier. Yeah, and, like, as as far as I know, it gets, like, way more goofy. But I kind of liked how this felt oddly sort of grounded. I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably has to do with the cinematography and the time period and the fact that it's the first one of the series that was made. Yeah. So they kind of... And there's also not a ton of Chucky in it, I feel yeah. like. I feel like the first half of the movie is almost no Chucky and almost, like, hints at Chucky. And then the second yeah, half... Yeah, because they're trying to, like, drop him in there. Right. He he almost plays more of the movie monster role, whereas I feel like the rest of the Chucky movies, he's, like, the main character. Yeah, he definitely is. He's in, like, every scene. Well, I think, like, I talked... We're, like, tracking his yeah. art. Yeah. I think I talked about with the anxiety that kind of builds, because you don't know what he's going to do. Mm. It's kind of like, if you've seen the marketing, you already know what's up. Uh, so you know that, like, he is in that doll even before well, you, you see know. the first scene of the movie. Yeah, you know what's exactly. Up. You, you don't know what he's going to do for a while. So until it hits, it's kind of like, I don't know, they're, they're playing on that apprehension and kind of like trying to draw out that tension in that way, I feel like. Yeah. Here's something I was thinking about. What do you, what do you think about this movie if it doesn't have that first scene where he actually puts his soul in the doll? So, like, if we omitted that completely and it's just she, she mm-hmm. gets the doll. I think it would be a lot more eerie, especially because then you don't know why it's happening. Yeah. And you're maybe thinking, like, maybe this kid is doing it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in the movie as it is, there's absolutely no question that Chucky's doing it and is not the child. (laughs) But, yeah, you could play up that angle where you don't know if the kid is doing it or not. If it's a little more from the mom's perspective, which it feels like it's kind of split between the mom and the kid's perspective. Right, yeah, it's neither one of their movie, it's kind of both of their movie. Yeah, exactly. I I do think that movie, or this movie rather, would be better without that scene, because it kind of produces this feeling of frustration, because we're so clear, we're like, we know Chucky is a Chucky, he's doing a Chucky thing. (laughs) And none of the characters agree, (laughs) it's just like, just listen. As opposed to, like, if we don't know that Chucky's alive, and we're kind of doing this thing where we're like... Uh, it's kind of nerve-wracking to go talk to the detective and tell him we think Chucky's alive, because what if we're wrong? What if I'm crazy? What if my son is going to get taken away from me and it's right for them to do it? Like, then we're kind of in this uneasy, tension-filled place, as opposed to this furious banging our head against the wall, like, just listen to this woman, for Christ's sake. That's that's my fan edit of Child's (laughs) Play 1. It's the the same movie, minus one scene. And maybe, maybe we even get that scene in a flashback, you know? I think that would be cool when the detective finally goes to her and he's like, here's the thing. Th- this is how this movie should have worked. I'm realizing this in the moment. There's <laughs> like literally a scene where he goes... Like, rewrite all of Child's Play, guys. Get, get ready for this. No, it's one <laughs> copy and paste. <laughs> we just move it slightly down. There's a, literally a scene in the movie where the detective goes to the mom and he's like, I gotta tell you something. I was there the night Charles Lee Ray died. We were in a toy store. Like, he just describes the first scene that we already mm-hmm. saw. And then you flashback to it, like, kind of. We should get a flashback there instead of hearing him repeat the scene that we know happened. Again, then we're in the same shoes as the mom. And we're like, why didn't you fucking tell me that he did a voodoo thing <laughs> the night he yeah. died? Which I feel like that's a very modern way to do horror movies now. I feel like every kind of <laughs> cookie cutter horror movie you see is going to have a segment where they learn what the mm. the monster is all about, or they kind of have that yeah. download, like, sort of, maybe the in, like, the last third of the movie. 
Mm-hmm. That's another reason why it feels like a very 80s movie. It's because it shows you that. And I think I kind of appreciate yeah. that since I'm so used to that other formula with more modern movies. I, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I can see pros and cons for both, honestly, because then it's more like you're not putting yourselves in the shoes of the main characters the same way. It's more like you're kind of fearfully watching out for them, I guess, more mm-hmm. omnipotently, which I think has, like I said, pros and cons to like, I don't know. <laughs> this is very much a taste yeah. thing, but I you hate, hate it. that. I hate whenever I know something that the characters don't. Yeah, it drives you nuts. Like, like, I don't prefer it, but I'd say, like, in this case, I I enjoyed it for, I, I think, just the fact that I don't see it done as often anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get frustrated by that shit, too. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you have watched the film. Now you must prove your understanding and discuss its themes. Let's get into the big idea of the movie. What did you think? What is the deep human fear that this movie is poking at? What's the thing that like, why does this resonate with us? What are we afraid of that's happening in this movie that is hitting us in our core? Oh, well, I think this might be very simplistic to say, and maybe you'll have a different interpretation of it, but just fear of dolls, like fear of things like the Uncanny Valley, things that look like us, but aren't us. You know, it's playing mm. on that innate fear of just kind of like, you know, if you're in a room with a bunch of dolls with eyes staring at you, even if you know they're not realized, it can still be like very unnerving to have something looking at you. Yeah. I was just reading an article about this, about like the uncanny valley that somebody raised. Oh, it was a Reddit mm. thread where somebody was like, what's the scariest theory you've ever heard? And somebody said we, the reason that humans evolved to have the uncanny valley is because somewhere along the way we learned to be afraid of things that were almost human but not. Oh, that's And I was like, Ooh, interesting. Cool, right? <laughs> yeah. The actual answer is because we're we evolved to be afraid of dead things because dead things mm. kind of look almost exactly like us but not. And we evolved a fear of that because we didn't want to catch diseases yes, from yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. I can see that. So there's the the tangible. But yeah, you're right. I think dolls are a huge part of they're almost us, but they're not us. And they're like the facsimile is awful. Yeah. And especially with something like specifically the good guy's doll, the Chucky doll, it is human size is like the same size as that child. It's so funny to watch that kid hold that doll and like walk <laughs> around with it when it's just as big as him. Like its head might even be bigger than the child actor's head. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it. it is like exactly as tall as him yeah. like i remember having toys that were as big as me or bigger that like you could curl up in your giant stuffed mickey mouse i never had a toy like that as a child and i think i would have <laughs> not been able to handle it no. have you seen those weird dolls in i i remember specifically seeing these in like a co-op antique store that they're like a kid that looks like they're playing hide and seek they like have their hands over their face and they're kind of like leaning into a corner uh-huh. And, like, that's a thing. I have not seen this, no. Yeah, I, I can't... There's, like, a specific name for them. I remember... Oh, they're called Secret Keepers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're, like, supposed to... No, I just, I just said that. That was what creeped me out. Maybe. They could be. <laughs> that sounds like something where, like, your kid tells them a secret, uh-huh. and then they keep your secret. <laughs> that probably exists. That's, like, a really good idea for children who, like need to process emotions there was like life-size barbies as well that i remember like when i was growing up that i i was never really like a barbie kid to begin with but like i remember being unnerved by those things and being like why would you ever want that like why because they're too big yeah i mean like they're the size of the child basically like the size of a six-year-old kid i would also argue that like when you go to the carnival the biggest prize you can win is the best right like you have Mm -hmm. to 
do really good at throwing a baseball at a bunch of bottle caps to win the giant Stewie. Yeah, but Stewie is a cartoon character and he's going to have the proportions and look of a cartoon character. He's not going to have glass mm. eyes and regular human proportions. <laughs> you know, you're trying to- <laughs> That was something that I really love throughout the movie is that they talked a couple of times. Uh, I feel like I have heard this throughout the years, like kind of how they did some of the Chucky stuff. Mm. And there were scenes that were puppets and there were scenes where they had a doll, but there were also some scenes where they just built a giant set and had a shorter man in a Chucky costume running around. And you can kind of tell there are some scenes like, I feel like when Chucky's on fire, like that's a man in a costume who is on fire yeah. running around. But like they built a giant fireplace to like keep the proportions correct. That's crazy. I didn't know about that. So Chucky's proportions shift a little bit throughout the movie. And it's very funny when he's got like man proportions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes he's just back to being a doll. Yeah, I think there's this one scene in particular when Andy's in the mental institution or whatever and he looks out the window and sees chucky scampering up a fire escape to like get into the building mm-hmm. and i was like oh yes that's just a man in a suit <laughs> uh-huh. that's the scariest scene in the movie it's pretty me. creepy I, I mean especially then because when chucky actually enters the room it is at the animatronic getting up mm-hmm. there and like crawling up on the bed and about to stab him but he did like the switcheroo yeah you're trapped in the mental institution And you can see this threat coming, and it's so far away, but there's just nothing you can do but sit and wait. Yeah, because you're just trapped. The adults don't listen to you. So much scarier. And that's actually what I was thinking was kind of the big idea of the movie, is, like, not being heard, not being listened Mm. to. A deep human fear that we're, like, trying to warn our community about a danger, and they're like, you're crazy. This isn't a dangerous thing. To me, it kind of hits the same thing that, like, I know a lot of women go through, like, with sexual harassment. It's just like, no, this guy sucks. He's a predator. And everyone's just like, no, he's the best guy. And like, but he was nice to me. Yeah, he's nice to me. He was was nice to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that whole, like, gaslighting thing, especially when you're, like, a child, because nobody listens to you by default normally. Mm -hmm. Not not every adult is going to dismiss you. But the kid is clearly upset. There's clearly something wrong. And he's saying, like, Chucky did it. (laughs) that's a great point nobody ever like dives into that i guess the mom has one scene where she's like what is chucky saying but it's like 20 minutes after her best friend died so she's kind of yeah like he quotes what chucky says and it's like that bitch got what she deserved or something and then she's more focused on you just said a bad word like you you Mm -hmm. don't say that so she's like not thinking about how he's projecting or maybe he heard someone say that like my thought if that was my kid i was like Oh, Chucky's like a person that he's been talking to or has seen or who is here, but he doesn't know how to process that. Or he's talking about himself, I guess, would be the other thought. And I kind of bought that because that mom was not in the right headspace at that time to be like compassionate parent. But like that doctor did nothing but say oh, he's terrible and also there's like no chucky there is the no police chucky. had that guy on speed dial he shows up and already has made an appointment for the kid like before she has even showed <laughs> up they're just it, we're taking your child away from you that doctor is like the mayor's nephew <laughs> he's like, it's ridiculous because like he was just in the vicinity of a thing that happened sure but like there's no indication like andy never went in the house or anything maybe if chucky had some debris on him or something maybe you could say that but he doesn't from the perspective that the cop should be looking at, he skipped school and ended up in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But then they're treating it like, yeah, he needs to be in a mental institution like Pronto and we're going to take your kid away from you, lady. Uh-huh. Very yeah. scary. 
And that's the other thing, too, that, like, other people are... I mean, I think the fact that she's a single mom, I don't know how, like, intentional that was necessarily, but, like, that's scary for her, for uh, all of us that are, like... Uh, it's, again, not listening to women, think, thinking, like, you must be hysterical, we'll have to take your child yes. from you because you're speaking your truth. It, like, I don't know. I can't tell if this movie is, like, smart or not, quote unquote. I, like, I don't know if this movie has anything broader to say about it or if it's trying to be, like, a fun little Chucky movie. Yeah. But I think this movie hits harder today than it did when it came out. I think, especially if you're thinking of it that way, Yeah. It does have that aspect to it, especially, like, when she's talking to the police officer guy, who... It's funny, because I saw Fright Night first, I think, so I can't not think of that guy as being, like, a vampire, which is very funny to oh, me. Oh, that guy in Fright Night, too? Yeah, the, the detective. The detective Mike, Mike yeah, Norris. Mike Norris also plays uh, a vampire in Fright Night, who is, like, the antagonist, and he's, like, suave, sexy, mysterious man. So it's just so funny to see Fuck him yeah. as, like, in this sort of role, but... <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't feel like he he discounts her even with like the bite marks and stuff. But then when he sees it and tries to tell his partner, his partner also yeah. doesn't believe him. So mm -hmm. it felt like th they are playing on that. But I don't know how intentional that was. I think it's just kind of like nobody's going to believe you until they see it, no matter who you are, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. But like seeing it from these characters' perspective, like being a kid that nobody listens to or believes because they think you're making it up, being a woman who nobody listens to or believes because they think you're hysterical or like having a break mm -hmm. mental break or something. But then like I guess from the cop yeah. you don't really kind of have that added layer to it. It's just like, oh, he just didn't see it, so he think your partner thinks you're crazy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that kind of uh more harder hitting he, he hasn't spent his life living yeah. under the weight of yeah i mean if they had if they had had a line where he's like a constant thing he has to deal with it's like he has to deal with it for maybe the first time in his <laughs> life <laughs> it would have been awesome if he had said like ah, and also when you talk to me about that shitty bank manager last week that winked at you when he said he could offer you a loan like i blew that off too and i am just as sorry about that as i am about the check <laughs> i think those things are equal <laughs> In this movie's universe, yes. Roxy, I, I I got a question for you. All right, hit me. This is the this is the big question segment. Okay. I want you to think about all your childhood toys. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to think about which one would be scariest to come alive. I want you to think about which one of your childhood toys would be the hardest to kill. Hmm. Who's got the most durability? Be that emotional or physical? <laughs> Chucky's hard to kill. I mean, I feel like every kid has that one, that one stuffed animal or that one, like, toy of some kind that, like, was the one, like, their favorite growing up. Mm. You know, so I do have one of... And you're saying you couldn't kill it because you loved it. Yeah, so if we're talking about emotionally, it would be because I love it too much. So if it became, like, a murdering monster, I'd be like, well, maybe I'm okay with this. <laughs> I'm, like, six years old and I love you. <laughs> stuffed what toy stuffed was that? monkey toy. It was a monkey that was a puppet, but I never, like, used it as a puppet. Uh, and it was, like... Oh, you would never. I don't know, like, maybe this tall. Had, like, uh, very soft fur. I remember I actually, like, lost it as a kid when I was maybe two or three. And, like, my parents put up missing posters for it around like the place where i lost it like with a photo of are you serious right now yes they did it's a real thing they've probably got it still somewhere like one of the papers that they use for it 
Never found it, unfortunately, but my mom was able to track down a second one and like three or four year old me, however old I was, did not know that and just thought she had found it. Oh. So they were like, oh, we found it. Somebody brought it back. <laughs> I love that. When did you find out that it was not the same monkey? That's a good question. You'd think I would remember something like that, but I think by the time I they told me or I found out, like, I was old enough to like not not care the same way that like a child would be like but it's not the same mm -hmm. yeah you were n you never felt betrayed <laughs> no i didn't but i i did i do often wonder like what happened to that other one i feel really bad because it was something that was very precious to me as a kid and i took care of it and the thought of it being like out in like a gutter or trash or something somewhere i hope whoever stole it or picked it up took care of it <laughs> I'm going to guess that it ended up on the shelf of a entrepreneur who is able to spend whatever it costs to clean it up and make it look nice. The The monkey's having a great life. I hope so. That's what, I'm that's what I choose to believe. <laughs> but I still have the second one. It's still, I, I, I apologize to it that it is in storage, but it is safe. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I had a giant Mickey Mouse toy, Ooh. like a stuffed animal. That how, how giant are we talking? Are we talking Chucky giant or? I think it was bigger than Chucky. Oh, wow. Okay. It was like bigger than me for sure. That was that was the toy I was thinking about when I thought about like a toy you could like curl up in. Like mm. I would lay in the lap and it was like kind of a pillow also. It like double functioned as a pillow. Okay. I remember one night waking up in the middle of the night and it was like this Mickey Mouse thing was like under my desk and I woke up. And this was not a trick of the light, Roxy. This was a monster. Its face had distorted and it had like sharp teeth and fangs. Like almost like that uh, wharf from Star Trek kind of like. Okay, had like the ridged brow. Ridged brow, yeah. Okay. But like angling in because it was angry. And its head was tilted because it was like stuffed under the desk. Uh -huh. So it had like that Michael Myers head cock. And I woke up and I saw this monster version of it. And I screamed. And my dad came in and he turned on the lights and it was back to regular Mickey Mouse. So it was either sleep paralysis or you experienced your own real life Chucky. Is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's definitely one of those two. <laughs> and I, I remember it had like this, one of its arms was like pulled off. So there's like a little bit of stuffing in it, but it oh. never lost the arm. And you know how like toys like that usually like the rip gets worse? Yeah, like your parents would fix it for you or something. Ex exactly. It doesn't just stay at stasis. Either your parents take care of it or it like it just falls the off. arm slowly gets ripped off until the arm comes off. Yeah. This stuffed animal had a rip the entire time. So I just figured, like, that wasn't a bug. It was a feature. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that was part of that. Did you get it, like, used or something? It came pre-ripped? Um, very possible. I feel like I know that my mom got married to my stepdad when I was, like, two. Okay. And so they went to Disneyland for their honeymoon. And my mom just had a horrible time because she missed me. She, like, left me with my grandparents. Oh. <laughs> That's but sweet she came and a little sad. <laughs> It is. And also, I'm not... <laughs> Me and my mom aren't on great terms, so I'm just like, shut up and enjoy Disneyland, you jerk. Um, As a two-year-old two year old Mikey. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely said that to her. I wrote yeah. her a letter. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think that she might have brought me that Mickey Mouse back. Okay. And so obviously it did get... So it already came with kind of like bad vibes, is what you're saying. Right. Exactly. It came with like sadness built into its bones. Okay. Did you have a question for me? Yeah, let's see. 
So I guess you sort of answered the one question I had, which I was initially going to ask you, what is the most terrifying real life encounter with a doll you have ever had? But oh. I'm going to switch that and say, what was the best thing you ever got for your birthday? Because the whole thing is about him getting like the most prized thing he ever wanted for his birthday. And he wanted that Chucky doll. That's very true. And that's a great question. I'll tell you what's coming to my mind. Mm-hmm. It's the Nintendo 64 game Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> nice. The first one, of course, I wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, the first one. I wanted that game so bad, and I remember going to Walmart the day... Like, I had the game. I already opened the game. Mm-hmm. And my mom was trying to sneakily buy me the strategy guide. Oh, to go with it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had, like, snuck it onto, like... We were, like, went to Walmart, and she, like, put everything on the on the conveyor belt. And it was... Uh, going down and she had like tucked the strategy guide behind some other stuff. Mm -hmm. So she bought it secretly and put it in the bag. And then as we were leaving, the security alarm went off, like as though we had stolen something. Uh And so she had to show him and he had to like look in the bag and he found the Banjo-Kazooie strategy guide. (laughs) And my mom was just like, that was supposed to be a surprise. She was like so angry. She almost had it too. Yeah, like she had been so careful about it, and that security guard uh-huh. just fucking ruined it. I realized that on <laughs> this episode, I am as, as as a person who is not a huge fan of my mom coming off absolutely as the villain because <laughs> because that was such a a bad vibes for me as well. It was just like she was more angry that the surprise got ruined than she was excited to give me the strategy guide. I mean, maybe, maybe in that moment, because like she had been working so hard that entire grocery trip for it. I, I've never met, met your mother. I can't speak to it, but you know, I'm sure she was happy to give it to you. Like she thought ahead to get, to get it for you. Yeah. Could, so. go, could go either way, to be honest. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best birthday present? Um, mine was probably, <laughs> it was a Sailor Moon VHS box set. Because, so we didn't have cable growing up. I don't think my parents even got cable until long after I had gone to college and moved out. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sailor Moon used to be something you could only watch on cable. So I'd like go to my friend's house to watch it. But my parents got me a dubbed VHS box set that was like an entire story arc. Oh, yeah. So I could finally watch Sailor Moon whenever I wanted. (laughs) How many times do you watch it? Many, many times. I can't even tell you how many times I watched that. And it's like this one specific arc. I hadn't seen the episodes before it, and I don't think I ever saw the episodes after it in order. But, like, I just kind of knew the general gist of the team makeup. That was pretty much all you needed going into it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my God. And anime is such a huge part of your life. That was like a game changer I mean, you. yeah. <laughs> Sailor Moon was a big deal for me when I was a kid. It was the gateway anime. Roxy, how likely... Would you say that a Chucky situation is to happen? This is the segment where we rate from one to nine. What happened to ten? Nobody knows. Oh. (laughs) On a scale of one to nine, what is the likelihood that this happens in real life? How likely is a real Chucky situation? (laughs) Do you want a funny answer or a serious answer? I want them both. Seriously, it's zero because Voodoo doesn't do this as much as uh, this movie would like us to believe. (laughs) But uh, in terms of... Not only is Voodoo real, but they got it wrong. (laughs) Pretty sure that's not a thing. Yeah, what is the name of the god in this that they're like asking? Dembella. Dembella. Is Dembella real? 
in voodoo. I want to say he's part of mythology. Okay. I probably should have locked, uh, looked that up. <laughs> no, no, no. Research but- is for squares. <laughs> I, I agree. It's, this movie is such a zero in likelihood to happen because it's not even one leap of logic. It's several, yeah. It's, it's several. <laughs> like, if we could assume, like, I, I'm somebody who believes that magic can happen in the real world. I think just because I want to believe that, I don't know if I actually do believe that, but I want to believe it so bad that yeah. that is my official position. And so it's like, if it's, what if somebody was dying and their soul got transferred into a doll? Like, I can, I would give that a one or two. If it's that that person happened to be a serial killer already, (laughs) then it's like, okay, then you have to win the lottery twice in a row for this crazy thing to happen. And then the fact that, like, that's such a great point. They got voodoo wrong. Yeah. (laughs) It's not how voodoo works. They always do. There's no way they looked up anything like actually true and i'm sure anybody who is listening who actually knows more about it or practices voodoo would be able to tell you like yeah that's just bullshit mm-hmm. my understanding I'm, I'm i realized as i was gonna say it i was like nope i actually don't know and should just shut up about it i don't know i don't know i don't know how voodoo works <laughs> so yeah we're, we're giving it a a one i guess because it's a scale of one okay, to nine yes so then a one a one great it is time to collect your souls i mean it is time to collect your bets Roxy, last week we made a bet about this movie. This is the first podcast episode, but we've actually been drawn, summoned, awakened into this scary basement for a time immemorial. And so last week in an unrecorded episode, we did make a bet on this movie. We bet how many people will get killed in Child's Play 1. I said eight. I said six. Yes. Right. The answer to settle this bet once and for all was four unless four confirmed (laughs) unless i feel like you have to count charles actually dying at the beginning because he does like his body here's the thing you you win no matter what (laughs) do i (laughs) i mean i guess yeah six is closer to four if we start counting so the four bodies that we'll go through real quick um maggie the babysitter Uh uh-huh Eddie Caputo, Chucky's childhood friend. I've yep. just decided. I don't know his backstory. He's just like a He's getaway guy. driver. I don't know why a strangler needs a getaway driver. Usually killers. Is he the getaway driver? Yeah, which is really weird. Like, <laughs> normally serial killers work individually or like they're both what? doing the killing. It's really weird that he just had like a getaway driver for a strangling. Like, it makes me think that Eddie Caputo drove him up. He hopped out of the car, strangled a woman like on the sidewalk, and then it was just like, go, go, go! <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> I like them like planning a bank heist to strangle a woman. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. We need an inside man, somebody who can get us inside to the woman's apartment. <laughs> it's like Ocean's Eleven. It's like... <laughs> That's the alternate cut of the movie. So we've got, uh, we've got Maggie the Babysitter, Eddie Caputo. The Doctor. Uh, Dr. John Bloom, Dr. Death. And then Dr. Ardmore, the uh, psychiatrist. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Two different So doctors. those are the four confirmed bodies. Mm-hmm. And then we do have Charles Lee Ray at the very beginning, yeah. who is shot and killed by Detective Norris and sneaks his soul into a Chucky. I would say he doesn't count, but he is a body. So could go either way. I'd say he counts, but not Doll Chucky counts because Doll Chucky is eternal. But human... But don't you think Doll Chucky is the same as Chucky Chucky? Because mm. <laughs> I think if we're talking about like... <laughs> 
was a life squenched out. Let's have this philosophical debate here while talking about the Chucky movie. (laughs) Is the soul eternal? Is it real? (laughs) Does it? (laughs) Yeah. Turns out there are zero bodies because they all went to the everlasting kingdom of heaven to rejoice with our Lord. Even in that situation, you still win. Because I said eight, which is, <laughs> which is more than you. So if the answer is, the answer is either zero, four, five, or six. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to take either the answer way, that win. makes me win. So I'm going to say yep. six. <laughs> so Roxy, you are, uh, we're going to start over with our points. We've obviously, again, been having bets about movies for time in memoriam. We've been doing this like a hundred times. We might as well start fresh for but, the podcast. Yeah, we'll just, we'll start. You've got one point. Roxy, for this week's big segment, Mm -hmm. you are going to uh, sit down with an associate of Charles E. Ray. Is that right? Yes, we have this uh, cursed mirror that unfortunately reacts every time we have to have one of these these talks about these movies. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, it was, I believe it was Chucky's original voodoo dad. Chucky's voodoo. Oh, oh, Chucky's voodoo friend. His voodoo friend. Okay. Yeah, it was it was somebody who took who voodoo is, classes with him. Okay, there we go. Sorry, he is a dad that does voodoo. He is a dad. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, let's go to that interview now. All right. In Child's Play, Chucky goes to see his voodoo master, John Bishop, who refuses to help him because Chucky perverted everything he taught him and used it for evil. We were wondering, uh, what were those teachings? So we tracked down someone who actually attended voodoo classes with Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky. Uh, we're here with Mr. Gordon Cunningham. You there, Gordon? Yep. Great. So, first of all, how do you get involved in voodoo? Well, see, we had to cancel Tuesday bowling leagues because... My buddy Lee's van broke down, and you need four to a bowling team. That's just how bowling works. And I had permission from the missus to step out on Tuesdays, and you best believe I was not going to let that go to waste. I think it was my buddy Porter who saw the flyer up at the community billboard at the Coffee Bean for Dr. Death John Bishop's Tuesday night voodoo workshop and casserole potluck. So we were like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Did you ever meet Charles Lee Ray? Oh, sure, I knew Chuck. Bit of an odd duck, to say the least. You know, not a lot of folks are serial killers, and even less know voodoo. So for one guy to do both, I didn't think there would be a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram, but I guess I was wrong. Crazy world. Okay, so you're just a normal guy who knows voodoo. What do you do with it then? Oh, I put my soul in plenty of things. It's pretty easy. You just say a chant and touch a thing. Let me see. I put my soul in a car, in the dog, in a statue of a mermaid, in the neighbor's weed whacker, uh, the animatronic bear from Chuck E. Cheese, put it in a different dog, all kinds of stuff. I even tried to put my soul in my buddy Lee's van so he could take us all bowling again. But then I accidentally revealed my secret to Lee, telling him my real name. So I had to right away put my soul into his body or else I'd be stuck in his van forever. Wait, wait, okay, so you had the body of the van at the time. So does that mean your buddy Lee is a van now? Oh, no, no, no. We got Lee's soul into our buddy Ricky and then Ricky's soul was in the van. And then I swapped with Ricky and Ricky swapped with me. Okay, that's that sounds very confusing. <laughs> oh, believe me, it was. 
I just set up a little chicken coop in my backyard just so we had a couple extra bodies around, you know, to dump our souls in if we were ever switching around and it got haywire. You know that little plastic tray you put under your George Foreman grill to catch all the grease? The chickens are like mm-hmm. that, except for our souls and not for grease. Okay, well, I'm glad you don't seem to be using your voodoo powers for evil, just weird things. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of crimes you can commit just by switching souls. Besides killing, of course. Oh, of course, of course. But even if you put your soul in the body of the richest guy you know, take my buddy Orwell, he's in mortgages. What do you do with it? I still don't know his ATM pin or email passwords, I just sat at his big oaken desk, stared at his keyboard and wondered, now what? I did steal his autographed 8x10 of George W. Bush, though. Got 45 bucks off of it. I don't know that I'd ever pay 45 bucks for an autographed copy of George W. Bush's picture, but some people would. Crazy world. I mean, I guess besides the occasional petty theft of presidential photos, it doesn't sound like voodoo class changed all that much about your life. Well, I wouldn't say that. My wife does have a much shorter fuse with me now that I've covered the walls of our house with paintings of Dr. Death and thank yous to the Lord Dambella. She's always coming up to me saying things like, No, I can't have book club here. Not with all these paintings of Dr. Death and thank yous to the Lord Dambella all over the walls. And so I say to her, Honey, why don't you just go have the book club at Sheila's? So she does, and then she comes back from Sheila's going, You know what Sheila has all over her walls? Not paintings of Dr. Death and thank yous to the Lord Dambella. She has her framed dental license. I guess this Sheila thinks it's pretentious to hang your dental license in your dentist's office. I said, honey, why else would you get your dentist license framed if not to hang it up in your dental office? Crazy world. So it sounds like this has just been causing you a lot of problems. Is there anything good to actually come out of learning voodoo for you? (sighs) Oh, well, sure there is. I got to spend some time recently with my adult son. He hadn't spoken to me since last summer when I told him I planned to vote for Joe Biden. So I ade-do-we-dembellied my soul into my daughter-in-law, Danica. Oh, I'll tell you this. Me and my adult son had a great day together. We made low-calorie tacos and gossiped about the neighbors. I did have to stop him when he tried to get intimate, however. I said, no, son, it's me, your great big dad. He was quite mad at me for tricking him, but he was real mad that I left my daughter-in-law Danica's soul in an animatronic bear from Chuck E. Cheese. But you could just, like, switch souls back with her, right? Unfortunately, I had spent so much time with my adult son, and his marital lovemaking schedule was quite infrequent. So I spent a few days with him before he caught on. By that time, my daughter-in-law Danica had begun to turn human again. And unfortunately, she was trapped forever in the animatronic bear from Chuck E. Cheese. That's terrible. (laughs) That's not the half of it. My daughter-in-law Danica is also a serial killer. Wow, just a regular man. Uh, I mean, that's what he sounded like, but I'm not so sure if he was doing voodoo and was a van at one time. So maybe he was a regular van. But yeah, (laughs) it was nice of you to let me interview him. I know that you were uh, very scared of him. So I did it in your said. Yeah, I get scared easy. Yeah. And I uh, when I saw that the cursed mirror was beginning to activate, I went and I hid hid behind a bookshelf the entire interview. (laughs) Well, he's gone. You're safe now. Hey, it looks like looks like that demon bots starting to stir. Uh Oh, again, is that is that the demon bot? Uh, I think so. Hang on. 
he's been waiting very patiently for us. And just to refresh, the demon bot is, he's a bot with the soul of a demon, and the demon soul is trapped in the bot, right? Yes, so he is a demon he bot. Wants, he's both a demon and a robot at the same time. He wants to take out our souls, take our bodies, and that's why he's so concerned with getting our souls, because, they, because the souls come with the body. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, there he is. He's activating. You have managed to review Child's Clay. Congratulations. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 2005 film The Descent, written and directed by Neil Marshall and starring Shauna MacDonald, Natalie Mendoza, and Alex Reed. If you do not comply, your souls are forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay, well, so by next week... <laughs> We've got to watch The Descent, the 2005 film directed by Neil Marshall. Otherwise, we're going to lose our souls. Well, I to want to keep my soul. So I don't know about you, Mikey, but I'm going to be watching The Descent. <laughs> Me too. Uh, watch along with us. If there's anybody listening at the cellar door with a glass <laughs> pressed against their ear. Look behind you. What? There was nothing there. Just a cat. Well, aw, cute. <laughs> and then I the actual killer cat. comes. <laughs> how those scares work. <laughs> Uh, let's put a bet down on this movie. Okay. For The Descent. The Descent, it's about women going into a cave. Listen, any movie... Okay. ...where you go into a new place will involve one of the characters saying, what is this place? What is this place? Yeah. I'd say that's that's a fair a fair bet. Do you think, yes or no, they are going to say the line, any character throughout the entire runtime of The Descent, will any character say the line, what is this place? Well, I have a bit of an unfair advantage since I have seen this before, but I'm going to guess no, because I think they might okay. say something a little more specific. I will say yes. We have a, a differing opinion, and that will make the bet much easier. <laughs> In fact, I think is going to have to happen for all bets <laughs> going forward, or it's not quite a bet. <laughs> this is very true. Great. Unless we're betting against the house, we're betting against robot. Oh, that's true. We could give our joint opinion and then Demon Bot could pi pipe in and say what he thinks is going to happen. Yeah, maybe we should let him him choose it from now on or something. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. He he should make the bet. The pact is sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. The bet shall be whether or not anybody says the line, what is this place? The winner will be allowed a five minute break from the basement for fresh air and exercise. Oh, okay, oh, cool. Okay. You're on board with that, Demon Bot? Great. <laughs> what a great guy. Uh, Roxy, we're going to start wrapping it up here, but we, as we go out every week before we summon our courage and fight through the many ghouls and gas and... Traps. Poltergeists that keep us from leaving the scary basement, <laughs> we will be summoning our courage, remembering the hero within, and getting out of this scary you're basement. But before we go... Let's talk a little bit about what's making us happy. Let's try to end this on a happy note. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Uh, what's going good for me? What's making me happy? I found a new yoga YouTube channel. It's a lady named Fiona Roberts. She leads you through yoga. And I'm yoga, stretching how nice. out. Look at you. Doing really good. Yeah, yeah. Keeping to a schedule, uh, I assume. I did, unfortunately, I did find out that uh, Fiona Roberts died two years ago on this very day. Wait. And yet her channel keeps uploading videos. Wait, what? <laughs> Mikey, are you kidding? <laughs> no. Fiona. She could have had a cue. 
she she could have had some scheduled for release. Oh, she went. She had a lot of foresight. There you go. Or she's a ghost. Or she's a ghost. Either way, I'm worried. Roxy, what's making? Well, you you're happy? keeping healthy, so that's the important part. I made uh some actually very delicious curry. Oh, this week that made me very happy. Uh, Santa that's great. So like- you just eating eating out of a big pot of curry. <laughs> yeah, I I am not super great at do- planning ahead for batch cooks, but I did this week, and it feels great to not have to worry about like dinner for like a week. Look at that. That's great. Both but- of us being productive. Uh- Roxy, unfortunately, I did look at the expiration date on the chicken you used to make that curry. Wait a minute. And it expired two years ago on this very day. No! <laughs> Wait, why haven't I gotten sick from it then? Ghost chicken? There was no chicken in it to begin with. Is that what? Oh, no. Well, either way, I've got something to worry about now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for The Scary Basement. We'll see you next week and stay haunted. Bye. Bye.